some big players in craft beer are getting a new look. When California gets fucked, we all walk funny. What the Golden State can tell us about the future of craft beer. And Black is back, baby! This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer, the answer to the question, what if Beavis and Butt had gotten to their 30s and switched from music videos to craft beer? I'm Jeremy Jones. <laughs> I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm actually so pleased you got that reference. I was a little bit worried that was a little bit too Gen X for you there. Ah, uh, no, I was right on the edge of the Beavis and Butthead. I was born in 92, man. <laughs> Because I was a little bit young for it myself. I had to sneak downstairs when I was a young teenager and watch it under the parental radar. Yes, Mom, I did watch it, and you probably know all about it. Hi, hi how you doing today, Tyler? What are we drinking? Uh, I am drinking Cornholio. Uh, no, I'm drinking... I have unleashed a monster. <laughs> I have, didn't know that I was basically... that Tyler's been un- holding this inside him this entire time and just waiting for this reference. No, I was more a South Park fan than Beavis and Butthead, so. <laughs> Speaking of that, I was watching South Park before we started this. So. Perfect. Uh, I'm I'm drinking the Stereohopic IPA from Lagunitas. That one is it's the, it's the uh, uh, first of their apparently up-and-coming dual hop series, and I was really impressed with that one. What do you think? I like it. It's, you know, still light and refreshing, but... The Nelson Savine and the Mosaic just plays off where you get that nice citrusy, almost white wine characteristic coming through. And normally, I'm hit or miss on Nelson hops. I'm t- if it's done well, I'm a huge fan because it adds what you said, like this 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 very distinctive, sharp, um, like pear white wine flavor, and I think it comes through beautifully in that particular beer. I was super impressed. Um, Lagunitas is, is, I think it's hitting a lot of high marks recently. Um, and so, uh, uh, stone, you get your shit together. I don't know why they're like, it's, I feel like it's a competition between Lagunitas and stone, but in my mind it is. And stone is getting their ass handed to them. Well, stone's going to try to sue them here soon then. (laughs) Why did they figure out that Lagunitas was a type of st- like a type of no, not- rock or something? And they're, like, they're probably trying to figure that out. But. Greg Coke is like, find me what, tell me that Lagunitas is some kind of rock so we can sue their fucking ass. <laughs> Our lawyer said the next lawsuit we have is free. <laughs> I got the fucking punch card, man. <laughs> Actually, Greg Coke's gonna come sue sue us first. <laughs> I would take that cease and desist, mount it, and then masturbate to it every night if I got one from him. Oh, And the only way I would settle was if he came out and released a public apology for the delicious IPA. You've thought about this. I mean, I feel like... (laughs) To a not insignificant degree, this entire project is just to antagonize Greg Koch. Thing is, I was the one letting that sleeping dog lie, and then you you got me started by starting to pick back on them. So, <laughs> and again, I have unleashed a monster. Um, I, on the other hand, um, so as you will find out uh, later in the show, um, 
uh, I am. Uh, uh, we are. We are doing a story about black IPAs, and so I decided to celebrate with both black IPAs available to me. Um, I'm starting mm-hmm. off with uh, the Bad Santa by uh, by Pelican Brewing out in uh, out in uh, 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 Seaside, Oregon. Um, Classic, but that's going to turn into a shelf turd now. <laughs> pretty, it's already pretty much there. I think this is like, although this is like the last of like two bottles we have on the shelf, so. Nice. It's not, it's not too bad, but yeah, bad. It's one of those, unfortunately named beers where right now it's like, oh yeah, try to give it away, I dare you. Yeah. But <laughs> it is, uh, it is a, um, as I will probably no doubt uh, reiterate several times, uh, black IPA or Cascadian dark ales are not my favorite. Um, but this is one of the exceptions to the rule. I think this is it's beautiful. It's not trying to be. Um, you know, it's not an IPA they almost added food coloring to. It's got the roasty characteristic, the caramel. It's almost like a light stout that with a really distinctive, like, grapefruity hop note. So it's wonderful. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Black IPAs, I got to be in the mood for them. But when they are done properly, they are amazing. Uh, well, get in the mood because we are uh, we're, we're going to be talking about them uh, for a little bit in a in a while. But we got a couple other things to do first. Tyler, uh, why don't you uh, kick us off with some rebranding news? Perfect. Well, let's start off on a kind of funner note or a more fun note, whatever grammatically is correct. Using that uh, Northern Idaho education there. Damn right. Hey, we both have a bachelor's degree, so. <laughs> I feel like you're using those, so I should shut my fucking mouth. (laughs) I was going to say it, but I'm glad you said it. Uh, I'm (laughs) self-aware. So, I found an article on Craft Brewing Business talking about uh, some of the new beer rebrands that are coming out this year, uh, which include Ballast Point, everyone's billion-dollar bust brewery, uh, Fremont, New Glory, and Blue Point. Uh, in the article, they actually talk about, uh, and we talked about how uh, Dixie Brewing out of New Orleans just rebranded. They mentioned that a little in passing to the article. Um, so, Jeremy, do you have the article pulled up in front of you? Have you looked at the pictures of the rebrand? Or I, re- I read it. I read through it. I do not have it pulled up in front of me, but I feel, like, excuse me, I feel like I can fix that pretty quickly. I would hope so, but... I could operate technology. Okay, good. I I was going to say, I figured I might be talking to almost a boomer, so... Almost an Xer, okay? I I missed the cutoff by literally nine months. So, you know, uh, uh, suck it, millennial. Hey, you're a millennial, too! Yes, but, you know, I can, I can, depending on the study, really, I think uh, there are some that still say Gen Xer, so I pick and choose depending on the conversation. Okay. Isn't that right? Yeah, oh. see, Declan agrees with me. Okay, Boomer. Uh, <laughs> so, as you've, if you've listened to our episodes, which you should, all of them, and you should be able to recite them better than we can. You really, uh, should, have, you really should have them uh, uh, memorized by now. Uh, so the first one they kind of talk about is Ballast Points, which uh, started about 25 years ago. Just recently, last year, it was or two years ago, 2019, 
damn, it's been that long, uh, was sold to from Constellation Brands to Kingston Kovic Brewing Company. And this year, they decided to do a brand refresh uh, of their beers, uh, which I feel was overdue by about probably seven years. Uh, very much so, and but I think I mean I, th I think it's partially to celebrate their newly found liberation from the corporate ma. I uh, uh, you know rebranding costs money, and I'm guessing Constellation after dropping a billion dollars on uh, on a brand that wasn't magically uh, making them two billion made them uh, not exactly eager to uh, listen to what a, a rebranding uh, uh, cost numbers. Yeah. So with this rebrand, they kept very much to kind of their core roots uh, with the C illustrations. Uh, they still use the same artist to draw up their designs. Uh, but basically, instead of having it be like a monotone, like brownish with the picture in the middle and then mainly just said ballast point, they switched it up to where they made the picture in the middle of the tuna for their long, long fin lager or the sculpin for their sculpin IPA, the focal point with basically just a stripe down the middle with their ballast point logo and the name of the beer. So really kind of more art forward focus, which I think really just revitalizes the look, makes it seem like a younger brand and more intriguing on the shelf. I dig the look of it, and 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 I think I mean absolutely, um, it, the timing could not be better. Just to uh, it in a lot of markets, including here in Idaho, this is when we start seeing Ballast Point in package. It's going to be the first time in a couple of years for a lot of their stuff, and so uh, you know, and um, you know, big colorful artwork. Um, but the like the the but the anchor with their you know the the they still keep like the ballast point logo to kind of anchor it back to where it was let you know they're still the same brewery that they were when they left and got sucked up in the you know the constellation thing um no it's 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 great looking i love it yeah uh so i think they knocked it out of the park with that one i'm really excited to see if maybe in later this year or next year we can find some articles that maybe talk about how it's boosted sales and balance points on the upswing because of this rebrand and by the way if you want to hear the entire entire saga of uh ballast point we got a we, we did a couple episodes on that uh back, way back last year i don't know if you remember that long ago but uh uh at the king no it was 2019 the Kings and Convicts acquisition. So, um, uh, yeah, Ballast Point Blues Part Two, I believe the episode was called, and mm -hmm. uh, it talk about a uh, a sale that took everyone by surprise. It's a hell of a story. Oh yeah, great story. Uh, so I'm hoping to kind of see Ballast Point start to be restored to its former self. Um, the next rebrand I really kind of want to touch on in this article. Uh, is another big player here in the Pacific Northwest, Fremont. Um, opened its door back in 2009, so coming up on 12 years now. Um, they are doing a brand refresh, so really keeping a lot of the same core elements, 
but tweaking some stuff, and they want to update the visual look of their logo, can art, tap handles, website, marketing materials, and merchandise. Um, they wanted each core beer brand to be redesigned to be more distinguishable on a shelf with clear beer-specific illustrations and color coding. Um, one of the things that actually took me by surprise was I didn't notice at first they redid their little, like, herring logo to make it look more, like, hand-drawn, artistic. More cartoonish, almost, if you go to their website. Oh, I did not notice that. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I like how they updated some of their older brands, uh, kind of modernized them. A lot of their newer brands, I feel, they kept pretty similar. Um, and then another thing I really noticed with the picture of the cans that it had, I feel more and more cans are starting to get to this point where you'll see kind of that hardline color across the top with the name and then different color with the picture of the beer, the name of the beer, and kind of all the other information. And so it's kind of like a two-segment color on the can that really breaks up the can. I mean, I, I will I will grant it that it that I kind of dig uh, um, like some of the some of the sharper lines and you know the you know the 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 more distinctive font, especially when it comes around to Fremont. Um, and it, it's it's definitely when I'm I'm picturing this can you know in a lineup with you know I don't know how many other hundred cans. I mean, you it it will strike as oh there there's Fremont. Um, but, uh, uh, no, it's, I'm not sure I like it better though than the, than the, than the current design. Other than it, I guess it's just sharper. Yeah. Where with Bow's Point, I think Bow's Point went where they made themselves look younger. I feel Fremont made themselves look more mature. That's a fair At least from, yeah. Yeah. And they said they really wanted to make sure they had with this refresh, uh, that there was a cohesiveness between the packaging website tap handle and beer logo. Um, and they didn't want their fans to worry. It's the same delicious beer, just cool new cans, boxes, and wraps. Uh, also, if you are in the Seattle area, uh, starting a couple days ago, so I'm sure it is uh, already sold out. Uh, if you join them... <laughs> if you're listening to us in Seattle, you're fucked. Thank you for calling. Uh, if you wanted to check out the new redesigned refresh logo, if you showed up Saturday, January 23rd between noon and nine, uh, if you order a... The hazy IPA brewed with mosaic hops. Uh, you'll get a new rebranded pint glass to take home with you. So it, basically, if you're li so, this is gonna if if I'm if I'm on top of it, this is gonna come out at about oh eight or nine in the morning on the twenty third. So if you are indeed one of the people in Seattle that do download us the minute I put it out, listen to it immediately. You have like 
all of like two to three, two hours, I believe. With a no, you have four hours. Time change. Time, time change. change. You have four hours. To... But the podcast is usually like an hour, so let's call. Well, they got to finish the podcast. So I, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what to tell them to do at this point in time. I mean, the one, the maybe one person this applies to. I mean, um, you know what? If you were in this situation. You, you can listen to the rest later. Go see if there's if it's not too late. <laughs> I will forgive um, you this one time. <laughs> but so it was kind of neat seeing those two big players regionally refreshing, trying to take a little more modern approach. Um, and hopefully these refreshes and rebrands can help boost sales for them, especially during this tumultuous time i mean the article um i mean it talked about several different brands not this but i mean it was really focused on the idea that right now with grocery stores being uh the you know the largest out outlet if not the only outlet for a lot of uh, breweries to get product out the door uh being uh identifiable and um and standing out on the store shelves is huge. And I think that's what's backing a lot of these right now. Because this is going to be the reality for at least a few more months, if not another year or so. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just making sure that you have that cohesiveness across your cans and your tap handles. So when on-prem does kick back up, people can easily identify your handle to drink that same beer they fell in love with at home. Yep. Okay. So, Jeremy, take me down to California. Never. I. It's an awful state, but I, we have to talk about it. Um, mostly because uh, California is a bit of a shit show, but it does have some interesting insight as to what the rest of the industry is going to be dealing with in the months and years ahead. This comes from uh, good beer. Well, it's like what? 20% of the breweries and craft breweries in the United States are in like California or something like that. And a, in a huge, uh, yeah, and a huge of the, of the total (laughs) consumption. So um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely worth, I mean, and and by the way, uh, a, a, a microbrewery culture that's very much on the forefront of, what's going on and so it's you know they're usually dealing with things a little bit ahead of everybody else um this comes from a good beer hunting sightlines article by kate bernard um and the idea is basically this I, like i said they're 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 at the uh, uh the front lines of uh, trends and forces in this nation especially the craft beer industry um so Kate looked at three specific trends in 2020 and speculated about what that could mean for be- the beer industry as a whole, not just in 2021, but beyond. Um, and what we can maybe learn from this to uh, uh, get ready to, to deal with this everywhere else in the country. Uh, the first thing uh, she talks about is a growing consolidation of distributors. Now, in 2020, one of California's largest distributors, Ray's, uh, acquired 10 wholesalers across the state. Um, and it added a total volume to their portfolio, uh, sorry, to the total volume distributed that is almost as much as the entire amount of Coors Banquet sold in the United States. Holy shit. So um, they added quite a lot of... 
So they added quite a lot of um, of product going out the door, um, and and as one distributor gains influence, there's this worry that, of course, this outside uh, influence is uh, onto what's on store shelves, especially in big chains. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for example, uh, Rays is a Constellation distributor. I was going to say, aren't they being investigated right now because of this merger? Correct. Yes. Well, I'm, I, we'll, we'll, I'll get into that because that's kind of interesting too. So um, they're Constellation distributor as well as Mark Anthony, which means say it with White me, Claw. White Claw. They are riding that White Claw wave. <laughs> um, that shit sells itself. Uh, those two, uh, uh, Constellation, which also distributes, which, which uh, uh, brings in Modelo, uh, represent the two best-selling brands in the state. Um, well, I also saw, like, Modelo in Los Angeles alone sells, they sell more Modelo in Los Angeles than they do Bud Light. Yes, I believe that is correct, which is... Mind-boggling, and I, I don't know, for me personally, as, as a fan of Modelo, um, I, it gives me a little bit of hope for mankind. But I digress. I, I was going to say, a lot of that is attributed to the Hispanic well, of course, cu- but, culture down there. But. Well, clear, clearly, yes, but also, Modelo is a superior beer to Bud Light. I don't care if that yes. makes me un-American. Yes, but... Bud Light does better at advertising. It has the better sales everywhere else. And it's not like Bud Light doesn't sell good in L.A. Doesn't sell Modelo numbers. Anyway. It's number well, two. <laughs> and, but, of course, I mean, but it's funny you mentioned, not funny you mentioned, but it's interesting you mentioned um, Bud Light because um, Anheuser-Busch is one of the one of the parties a little bit peed off about all this because they are, um, they're, they're throwing some speculation into the pool, and there's a lot of it going around. Like, is it just because Modelo and White Claw are so good that people are buying them? Or is it because um, their distributor, Rays, has the money, the influence, and everything else to make sure they have extra placement on the shelves to manufacture that uh, that increased uh, um, that increased uh, uh, sales? Do they just have the placement? Oh, so you mean... Budweiser is pissed at someone using one of their tactics. Well, of course. <laughs> Listen, when you're a bastard, you don't want to be. You want to have someone else be. You want to be the only bastard. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's not just them. I mean, there's a lot of shade coming from different areas. And of course, craft beer as well, because it does create a, a barrier of entry for smaller breweries. I mean, let's face it. If you're small and you're producing, I don't know, a few thousand barrels a year and you get picked up by the likes of Ray's, they do not. And let me be very clear on this. They do not give a flying fuck about you. Not a flying fuck, not a walking fuck, not a crawling fuck, not a sauntering fuck, not a dancing fuck, not a running fuck, not a hurling fuck, not a rolling fuck, not a sashaying fuck, a bouncing fuck, a shuffling fuck. If it's a fuck that will move your product, they don't have it to hit, to have nor give. <laughs> they are, these are people paid <laughs> by White Claw and to, and they are paid to move White Claw, not whatever shit you're slinging. By the way, yes, I just did say fuck about ten times in front of my infant. 
going to be his first word. <laughs> a flying fuck! <laughs> but, no, right now, Ray's controls 43% of all the beer sold in California. Um, which, as I said, has brought some... In- besides craft beer throwing a little bit of shade, there's also the CFBD, the California Family Beer Distributors, which is actually eight AB InBev and Miller Coors Align distributors that are pissed about the prospect of their monopoly in the state going away. <laughs> it's, listen, I, I, there was, I it was back in two thousand and eight, um, and it just reminded me someone interviewed a senator um, about what their job was because he was pissed off, and he said, "All we do is mediate disputes between between gre- big greedy bastard and big greedy bastard, small greedy bastard versus big greedy bastard, or small greedy bastard versus small greedy bastard. That's what this is: <laughs> big greedy bastard versus big greedy bastard. <laughs> First, multiple greedy bastards. <laughs> but the here's but the other major player in this fight." is a group known as Alcohol Justice. Um, they're the ones that called on the California Attorney General to open an investigation into Ray's. Or, now, whether they'd be acting on their behest or not, but they were one of the main uh, people uh, um, calling for an investigation. The only problem that Alcohol Justice is, for all intents and purposes, a, a neo-prohibition movement. So their concern isn't so much standing up for small breweries and or consumer choice. They're basically in favor of anything that makes it harder for alcohol to get into the mouths of the public. Fuck that group! <laughs> like, I'm uh, really torn. <laughs> we here at uh, it's all beer hardly uh, uh, endorsed uh, any neo prohibitionist movement uh, to go fuck themselves. Fuck themselves with a big rusty pole or a splintery post. That's now 14 or 15 times I've said fuck in front of my infant. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, a lot of people do care about consumer choice, and small breweries are watching this pretty close, especially when it comes to middle-tier wholesalers. Uh, what we're, yes, what we're seeing across the country, uh, especially in markets like Chicago and D.C., Actually, two markets that Ray's is also a player in, by the way. You've got two or three big distributors, right? Three or four. Yeah. Mid, you've got three or four mid-level and then a handful of boutique distributors. Well, the middle tier is basically in danger across the country. It's all but gone in California. And the they middle... either have to drop down to a boutique or they get scooped up by the big guys. Well, it's mostly getting scooped up by the big guys. I mean, the boutique uh, um, uh, distributors, you know, they, they're, they're small potatoes. They don't really ha- have have a lot of inroads that, uh, that you know, a distributor the size of Ray's has much interest in. But um, middle tier is where a lot of craft beer has its access points. That's where they're still going to find staff and salespeople who have at least a couple of fucks to give um, and, you know, who are, who will out there be out there and actually trying to sell their product. Um, or you could be one of the bigger breweries that Middle Tier has. Exactly. I mean, you can, you know, as a, you know, as a marginally, as a brewery that producing a few thousand barrels, you could be the the moneymaker for that smaller smaller uh, distributor. You don't get that if you are distrib- being distributed by something this size, and that's where a lot of the concern as far as in craft beer is concerned. So, um, you know, 
the answer, I mean, I guess it's it's worth watching and seeing uh, how that plays out in California and whether this does trip off uh, the antitrust laws that, again, ironically are being championed by Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors. <laughs> oh, how the tables have we, turned when it favors them. We live in weird times. That's, that's also all I'm going to say about it. We live in weird times. <laughs> second, second thing um you know what it, we, we, you know what i'm talking about it begins with corona it ends with ah oh, fuck me <laughs> <laughs> california is of course in many ways the nexus of the conflict caused by cor- the coronavirus um in that it has some of the 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 most soaring cases of anywhere in the country the most stringent lockdowns and a higher degree of restaurant and service industry closures than in most other states, um, which has led to predictable conflicts, namely like restaurants and breweries reopen reopening um, often in defiance of public health initiatives. Um, Mike Hess of Mike Hess Brewing, uh, being an especially vocal figure in this particular fight, who opened his brewery for on- on-site consumption in protest of the shutdowns, um, arguing that basically he had no choice. It was either this or lose his, his, everything he had built. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit awkward, though, as Mike Hess is on the board of directors for the California Craft Brewers Alliance, or the CCBA. Ooh. Which has gone on the record of, as urging breweries to adhere to local and state guidelines. And um, and they are working closely with the state to try to create pathways for breweries to legally open. So that's super comfortable. Hey, guys, uh, uh, you know, stay calm. Try to you know, keep your heads above water. We're working on this. Uh, but one of the board of directors is just saying, fuck it, he, he's doing it. So um, good luck, everybody. But, good luck. But you shouldn't do but it. You should please don't do that. Mike, Mike, we can't we can't do anything about Mike. It's just hi, Mike. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the this internal struggle actually has caused an opening for. Once again, alcohol justice. Alcohol justice is enjoying a huge time right now for them. Fuck. Um, they are. They've uh, had a lot of success lobbying for increased regulation of an industry they are argue is responsible for the soaring cases of uh, COVID nineteen in the state. No! Tyler, I feel like I can Fuck feel that group. I can feel you wheeling out your soapbox. Do you need a minute? Do you need a minute? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Are you sure? Because it's not going to get any better from here. Um, <laughs> I mean, we've talked a lot about how uh, the pandemic has actually done a lot to um, to relax um, restrictions on on uh, alcohol and especially breweries to get their product out there. But um, what they're seeing in California, what we might be seeing around the country, is a backlash um, as, again, what are essentially neo-prohibitionist groups um, finding, you know, basically a scapegoat for, uh, for soaring numbers and being able to say, listen, if it wasn't for these, you know, goddamn booze hounds, uh, we'd all be living in a virtual utopia of no corona um, and so make life miserable for them. Because, yeah, you can't get it at the church. You're all packed in like a can of fucking sardines without a goddamn fucking mask on. 
<laughs> the, I really wish I had my camera right there because the look of indignation on, on Tyler's face, I can't put it into words other than, I don't think, listen, if you came into Tyler, broke into Tyler's house, dropped trowel, and blasted a huge fart in his face right now, I doubt he'd look more offended than he did at the end of that outburst. <laughs> But that's, I mean, but that's where it come back to like the, the to the uh, uh, the CCBA, and you know, uh, actors like Mike Hess going out going out alone without a united front. Um, there are forces, not just alcohol justice, AB InBev. I'm looking in your direction, who will use the f the pandemic to further their own interests. So, it is. I mean, I think the moral of the story is, yeah, the correct answer is to uh, is to uh, you know, do your best to uh, to uh, uh, you know have group cohesion to uh, to adapt to the guidelines, and you know, and hopefully. And if that. you see a chance, just punch one of those sober cunts in the groin. <laughs> one last thing. This will make you a little bit happier. Uh, one last obstacle: cannabis. Uh, California is not surprisingly the world's largest weed market. Um, and it is fucking booming right now. Let's fame it. Let's face it. Weed is a stay-at-home activity. You people do not, to my knowledge, I am not a pothead, but they do not gear up for a wild night of weed shop hopping. They don't have like twenty people show up to a weed bar for a tasting or a smoke. I don't know what you call like a a, a lineup of the different strains. There are different strains. I'm aware of this, but I don't think you actually taste puff, them. puff, pass. Exactly. <laughs> I like that. Um, it's just not the preferred method of enjoying that particular substance. It's done at home, maybe with a couple of friends, getting baked to the point of paralysis and watching the fucking Teletubbies. That is how it's done. <laughs> and that is, by the way, not only an acceptable, but a preferred activity during these times. Stay at home, watch television, don't move, it's perfect. Where are those neo-cocksuckers trying to take them down? Well, it's harder to pin uh, uh, soaring cases on uh, on cannabis for the reasons I just illustrated. But I, trust me, I'm sure they're looking for a reason. Um, actually, and spending more time at home has drastically increased the amount of uh, uh, that product sold for obvious reasons. You don't have to appear high in front of your judgmental, sober-ass friends. Um which is a good, you know, and right now is a wonderful time to get out of your fucking head. And most importantly, if you have a shitty job that you now do from home, I mean, whom amongst us would not <laughs> smoke out and smoke out in the morning, smoke out at lunchtime, smoke out right at the end? If look, if all you're doing is data, they make visine. <laughs> you don't even need visine. That's the point. You don't need the visine. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you got a conference call you have to do at, at on Zoom. At which point in time you just like point your camera at a weird angle, you stand way back, it's fine. <laughs> Tell them that you don't have a good high definition camera because you're poor. Um, and you should pay me more. <laughs> and you should See? Th there you go. Um, the big unanswered un question when it comes to weed, though, is does it the increased sales in weed come at the expense of alcohol and we don't have any good data yet to say yay or nay in either direction 
other than the obvious fact that in many you know that uh um in many states weed was actually deemed essential whereas bars and breweries were not um so in that sense there was a trade-off and of course if you are like many people with much less disposable income if you got five bucks left and you can spend it on weed and or beer then there's clearly a choice that's being made and if the general trend is towards weed there's your answer right there um but uh that very much remains to be seen and how California breweries and indeed the rest of the uh, uh, craft beer community deal with these challenges is, is very much up in the air. Uh, but it feels like a reality that's just over the horizon for uh, a lot of us here. I mean, for example, here in Idaho, I can already see, you know, we're the the mid we haven't uh, we haven't uh, seen a, a cut in the mid range distributors yet, but um I definitely see uh, some shuffling in the distributorships uh, on the horizon. I think the big ones are going to be bought out because our our major three distributors are still independently owned, but it would not surprise me to see them um, bought out by bigger entities. Um, yeah, I, I would say our big distributors here are all what would be considered mid-ranges in most places. Exactly. I mean... Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me to to uh, uh, see a change there, and I I don't think we're gonna have to deal for with weed here in uh, in Idaho for several decades. I think it, you know I think little Declan here will probably be uh, uh, our age before you know weed is even a possibility in this fucking state. But there's a big gap between you and me there, Boomer. Uh. <laughs> is there? Is there? Because that gap is narrowing, not in like numbers, but in like general sensibility. Give it like another five years. You and I are the same age. I guarantee it. <laughs> uh, but I think we'll see the actual battle, like, but between weed and beer, happen once it's federally legalized. And and of course, I mean, we we're all dealing with uh, the coronavirus, um, trying to keep our heads above water. That's just a more dynamic fight. But you know, the 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 battle is. And the struggle that we're dealing with are very much universal. So, uh, that's the good news. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, um, I feel like you have to tell us about something happier. Well, so I actually have some good news, unlike Jeremy. <laughs> I only look for shitty news. That's, that's in fact, uh, um, what I type into well, Google when I start my research. Well, you actually worked for a news station before, so of course you're going to be more negative outlook. <laughs> Everything is shit. Drink beer. Uh, but if you live in the state of Colorado, uh, there's some good news coming, uh, depending on how you look at it, I guess. Uh, Sweetwater Brewing, uh, one of the largest craft brewers in the United States, uh, is going to expand in Colorado starting Monday, February 1st. Um, that Colorado will make it uh, Sweetwater's furthest Western market to date by a lot, if I'm not mistaken, because um, they're, I guess they're, I think they are in Texas, I guess, but so, uh, but you may be going Sweetwater. That sounds familiar. Well, we talked about them because they got bought by a weed company last year. 
So go back and check out that episode. I can't remember what the episode's called, but <laughs> a master, uh, a, a a master uh, promoter, uh, 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 Tyler is. Let me just take a quick look here. Um, see if I can happen uh, uh, to uh, to spot it. Um, I nope, I can't find it immediately. So, um, but yeah, it's it happens sometime. Like, oh, here it here it is, episode fifty four, Sweetwater up in smoke, and Sheldon Brothers down and out. So, uh, if you want an update on that, uh, that's where that's located. But uh, uh, into Colorado though, yep, where they so will feel very be... much at home. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, is the and... real Rocky Mountain High, people. <laughs> uh, funny enough, you said that because in the article they actually talk with the founder of Sweetwater who said um, you know that Colorado's always been kind of a like perfect fit for their brews uh, it's always held a sweet place in his heart uh, it's where he learned how to first brew beer uh, he spends half of the year in Telerud, Colorado um, of course and... he's a snowboard bum of course he is <laughs> So, and with their West Coast style beers, the 420 friendly lifestyle and the passion for the great outdoors, it's a perfect fit. Um, so they're, they're going to be hitting with that. Uh, their partnership with Eagle Rock Distributing, uh, they'll be able to reach 75% of the state, including the Denver metro area, Loveland, Littleton, Colorado Springs, Pueblo, and Durango. So I'm excited. Hopefully... In coming years, Sweetwater can move a little further west. We can start getting some of their beers up here in Idaho. Oh, and... we are very much not that. They, I mean, if if they're listen, if they're looking only to move into weed legal states first, then we are not the destination. There's going to be a big cutoff at Utah. They're going to go around uh, to Nevada, Colorado, up to Oregon, Washington, and then that's where they're going perfect. Then I drive over to Ontario and buy the beer. <laughs> Ontario being the closest city uh, in Oregon to us at the moment. Where every Idahoan drives become, over to buy weed. Which has become like a weird uh, uh, interstate Tijuana. <laughs> because <laughs> whereas nobody on their earth in, in, in their right minds would ever want to go to that city. Because um, it's you know basically a, you know, a farm production plant. Um, now it's where, yeah, all of Idaho goes to buy their weed. And soon Sweetwater... You pull up to... I was going to say, you pull up to a pot shop there, and it's all 1A, 2C license plates from Idaho. And until recently, that's all that's where you could, uh, had to go, go go to get dogfish head, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, you know, that's dirty little secret about Idaho. We have to, you know, we, we, we are officially, uh, we officially hate the weed. We all go to Oregon to get it. <laughs> Just legalize no, our it, politicians... People. Hate just, the weed because there's so many Mormons. Just legalize the shit, guys. All the tax money is going to Oregon, and you know they're spending it on on like socialists. They're spending yeah. it on socialists. <laughs> they're destroying America. You could use that money to I don't know make America great again or whatever it is you fuckers are doing now. Oh. <laughs> uh. This has been its all beer <laughs> <laughs> melding into politics. Where's my what? Where's my uh, where's my war uh, uh, sound effects from last episode? 
Well, on that note, Jeremy, preach the gospel of the Black IPA. I am here to heal you. You are healed, Black IPA. No. Um, <laughs> don't ever. No. Uh, uh, old trend. All right. Old trend's new now. Um, this is actually the intro I had planned for this. Guess who's back? Back again. Black IPA's <laughs> back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who's back? No, no, no. <laughs> And actually, I'm going to open the other black IPA I've got at the, uh, here. This is um, this is a new one um, from uh, Sockeye Brewing. I was so uh, perplexed that uh, um, that they came out with a black imperial IPA. Um, this was actually one of the first rumblings that made me think that that uh, uh, this uh, style would be coming back, and. It is phenomenal. Um, this one has like a really nice, like, uh, bright, piney, dank, um, slightly fruity hop uh, flavor. Just the right amount of, like, uh, uh, roasty bitterness. Um, a little bit. It doesn't have, like, quite the stout uh, quality of uh, the Pelican. But, um, again, a black IPA done right. And the perfect segue into uh, what we're going to talk about. Um, last week, uh, actually not long before the we started the show, I saw a tweet from Firestone Walker that made me happier than I have been in a long time. <laughs> I was actually going to mention it on last week's show, but there wasn't enough about it to do an actual story other than me squealing like a, like a schoolgirl. And I actually was going to do so at the end of the episode, but I forgot by that point in time because I was, you know, like five beers in. But last week, Firestone Walker announced the return of Wookiee Jack. Uh, Rumors had been swirling around for a while, but the brewery officially announced its return along with a kick-ass can design. Uh, It is a black rye IPA that's one of the few examples of the style I actually liked. Um, and the weird, like I said, that was about a month before about, this was about a month after this from Sockeye came out. Um, and, uh, actually Stone said that they were bringing out theirs again. And I was never a big fan of Stone's Black IPA. You know, I can't say I've ever had it, but, uh, the, the, uh, the article that this comes from, and this is an opinion piece from the full pint.com written by Danny, uh, just Danny full pint, I guess. Um, but uh, uh, he uh, picks uh, the Firestone Walker Wookie Jack and the Stone Black IPA. I forget what the name of it is. As like the two sublimely, sublimely self righteous Black IPA. Thank you. Um, and said with that exact uh, uh, said with a tone that was sublimely self righteous. Well done. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would also add um, the Pelican. Um, Bad Santa and and also Mountain uh, uh, Mountain Standard by Odell was also another really good one. Which, if you see Mountain Standard on the shelf right now, don't be like, "Oh, that's a black IPA." It is a hazy IPA. They kept the name, changed the beer. As I actually found out live on this podcast one day, I don't know if you remember it. This was one of our yeah. first episodes. This would probably way back. I got to guess episode four or five. If not even before, but um, 
I uh, I opened uh, a Mountain Standard live on uh, on the podcast, expecting to do a little rant about Black IPA before enjoying that one, but it was a fucking hazy, and I'm no, I'm not over it. Oh, uh, I did like that the article talked about uh, Doug Velke at Revolution Brewing beating the drum. Uh, saying for the last six months, black IPAs were making a comeback because I have been seeing that on beer Twitter for the last six, seven months. And I'm like, from yeah, Re- I can see that. Cause from revolution brewing or from just in general, like people like expressing interest in this style. Uh, so Doug Velke, who worked over at revolution brewing was posting being like, people need to make black IPAs. They're getting. They're gonna become more popular. They're cu- making a comeback. People need to start doing it. People need to start doing it. People need to start doing it. I f- well, I feel like I want to start before we get way into it. Into a like, I want to do a little bit of history. Um, back in around 2015, and you know what? I keep on c- citing 2015 because it appears to be this weird nexus year for craft beer. It was the year Bowles Point was sold, by the way, for a billion dollars. It was like this weird high watermark of maximum craft beer insanity. Um, that last real push into the unknown. And one of the things that was happening was everything was becoming an IPA. Breweries just eager to exploit people people's love of the hops and excessive need for novelty. Grapefruit IPA, pineapple IPA, every different fucking type of IPA, session IPA. They just began churning out high IBU versions of fucking everything. Belgian IPA, rye IPA, white IPA, red IPA, brown IPA, and of course, black IPA or Cascadian dark ale as some mustachioed brewers in the Pacific Northwest started calling them. Because technically... IPAs can't be black because it's supposed to be pale in color. Listen, if this, if the resurgence of this uh, style means I have to have this discussion again, then I'm already over it. I'm going to toss this beer against the wall. (laughs) I'm going to go get myself a hazy and that's all I'm going to ever drink. I swear to almighty Christ, if, if, if it comes back to, well, you can't have a black IPA because I don't hope. Look, you know what I'm saying? Black IPA. It's like an IPA, but it's black. Deal with it. Whew, I'm glad I got that off my chest. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I actually, and I actually did like the term Cascadian Dark Ale, um, but the problem is, is it, it was not number one. It was championed by uh, pretentious assholes like my counterpart here. Um, well, hello, I never. <laughs> no, no, no. I have just had that conversation too many times. No, but someone's like, you mean a Cascadian dark ale? I'm like, yes. You know what I meant, you facetious fuck. But that's but my, my point. It's championed by pretentious assholes, and most people, like your regular beer consumers, have no fucking idea what they're talking about. But you say black IPA, they can kind of go, oh, you mean like an IPA that's black? You're like, yeah, and half of them don't know what IPA stands for. Yep. But... The best is when they come in, they go, I like all ales, but I hate IPAs. And I'm like, so you don't like all ales? Yeah. You know, let's, there's a gap in it, beer education, and that's fine. That's what me and Tyler are here for. To educate and profane your ses- senses. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
But what to call them was kind of a moot point because they died quickly and blessedly. Um, the, a certain haze rolled in and people in craft beer forgot all about them. Um, now, what happened? Well, I would argue, and actually I think Danny on uh, the Full Pint uh, said as much, is that the majority of them, and I would say like 70% of them, were not very good. And mm-hmm. another twenty five percent were fucking awful. Where you're like, this is just a hoppy stout or a hoppy porter, or worse, you kind of get this like, I don't know how you've managed to create a beer that either should taste like a stout or should taste like an IPA, but has the but tastes like neither. <laughs> yeah, I got I keep across that line like I'm. You know what? I almost want to know how you did this um, because this shouldn't be possible. You are actually so bad that you've managed to cancel out the only. Everything. Call... Yeah, you've. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but that 5%, I've become to realize my God, they were amazing. Wookie Jack, Mountain Standard, um, Bad Santa. I mean, they are uh, some. Uh, they're some of my favorite beers, and uh, and I realize that uh, how, how much I miss Wookie Jack, how much I was upset that Mountain Standard was a fucking hazy, and how much you know, especially since they were seasonal, seasonals, how much I would order them as soon as they appeared because they were unique and goddamn, they were good. Mm-hmm. But only when I know, they were good. Yeah, I know. At the breweries I've worked at, we've done. Uh, black ipas uh and they sell good when they're on a seasonal if it's a year round it loses kind of that mystique and it doesn't do well but if it's on a seasonal and you time that seasonal right people are like oh black ipas you know no one really does any of those but they're so good yeah we'll get one i mean a few of them i mean like 90%, 90%, especially around, you know, 2015, 2016, if I saw a black IPA, I would actually more mutter, uh, oh, God. Um, but if it was one of the ones I knew knew that was good, um, and then even, like, a few years later, once IP, black IPA had kind of died out, um, if I saw one of them on tap, I'd be like, ooh, I remember that one. That one was really good. Remember black IPAs? They sucked. This is good, though. <laughs> but I don't know. So I guess the big question, though, is why now? And that's maybe where we go back to uh, uh, to uh, uh, revolution and what they've been saying. I mean, I don't know, Tyler. Why now? Well, I think part of it is you know it it's been time separated, and so people are looking back, and you have those fond memories of those good black IPAs. You know, like, that actually sounds really good right now. Uh, but the article actually kind of attributed it to a couple different things. Uh, one, the pandemic kind of lowering everyone's guard, people being willing to try newer beers. Um, and um, they also attribute it to haze fatigue. People are getting hazied out, which Jeremy and I have been beating that drum for fucking years. 
I mean, you know, the uh, coming up on two years we've been doing the podcast. To be fair, but I mean, I think we've I think we started the uh, episode by bitching about Hazy. No, we started the episode by bitching about AB InBev. But the second episode, we probably were bitching about Hazy's. Um, although, you know, I actually weirdly come across come around the other side because when I stop to think about it, I mean, there's a good deal of beer styles that taste largely the same, and so. IPA is kind of strange for being as dynamic as it, as it is. I mean, really, when you get right down to it, how different is an Irish stout from every other Irish stout? That's not the point, though. <laughs> hazy IPAs, you're like, oh, we're the best hazy IPA. I think it's more the haze boy fucking fanatic, uneducated twits that are like, Oh, this is the best hazy IPA I've ever tasted in my life. You have to try it. And I'm like, it tastes the same as the last one that you gave me that was just within the same size can with a different fucking label. Tyler, do you have some anger you need to work out today? <laughs> or if you, if you just is that what that was? Are you finished? <laughs> I'm finished. <laughs> Are you sure? Because, I mean, you know, this... You know, th th this podcast, among other things, is kind of also an outlet for uh, you to get on your soapbox and do what you need to do. <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> Be it stream about hazy IPAs or masturbate in front of a uh, a fictitious uh, lawsuit from Stone Brewing. <laughs> no, you're right. I Actually, Denny said it, too. You're right. Uh, that, I mean, hazies are good, but they do kind of taste the same. And... The craft beer community, I love you people with all my heart and soul, but you are a fickle group of motherfuckers. You can <laughs> um, you can keep tossing hops into the boil, but in the end, yeah, you're right. They, they kind of taste vaguely alike. They're, you know, with a couple of exceptions, they taste, you know, like a hazy. Black IPA, it's, it's a little bit of a different animal. I mean, it's sometimes sharp, sometimes roasty, sometimes bright but caramely i mean there's an entirely different thing going on here and when they're good god damn are they are are they interesting um the uh, uh another thing um they they mentioned and i also think is absolutely true and i actually attribute um uh that to uh this beer i'm drinking now um, I don't think Sakai could or would have made this beer back in 2015 or before. And part of it is um, what we've learned about hopping and about hops during the haze craze. Um, I also think consumer preference has a big play in it. We're back in 2015. I mean, there was a reason, fuck, what brewery did the 1,000 IBU beer just because everyone was, was trying to was it a brew dogs? I want to say it was brew dogs. That sounds it like might a brew have been or it might have been McKellar because they ca called it I beat you. Uh, because everyone was trying to make the biggest, most bitter thing, and you'd have customers walk in and be like, What's the bitterest beer you got? That's my favorite, and you're like, How do you even taste anything? But I mean, and I'm in by the way. I'm sort of convinced that, like, then as now, I mean, there is a market for, like, really, really bitter beers, but that wasn't the, that wasn't what people were actually, I mean, I don't think as many people were enjoying that as we thought. And 
what we I mean let's kind of part of what but the sales were there and so that's why it kept reinforcing that but I think what we learned was there I mean there is there's as much if not more demand for like really well balanced well crafted um especially with like a focus on hop flavor not just bitterness not just pouring uh-huh. uh, uh pellets into the uh into the 60 minute part of the boil to get that thousand ibus but really really you know weaving those flavors together i i, I, I there's equal parts like learning how to how, how to use hops and figuring out that there's more to IPA that uh, than just bitterness, and the customers were responding to that, and even the people now that I think were like just craving as bitter as they can have sort of like they've readjusted themselves, and then they're mm-hmm. they're, they're a fan of West Coast IPAs, surely, but they're more a fan of balanced IPAs. I don't think I've run into that person in some in a couple of years. Like, give me the bitterest thing you've got every once yeah. in a while, but but it's I also think. And like you were kind of mentioning, I think a big advancement was the different dry hopping techniques we got out of these juicy and hazy IPAs that we can turn around and get in a clear West Coast IPA or a black IPA. Absolutely. And so, yeah, there's hazies were instructive and continue to be instructive i mean the fun thing about i'm not a huge fan of the style as far as drinking them but i'm a absolutely a fan of brewing them because they are really interesting as far as just ideas on how to add hop flavor mm-hmm. um now i want to see if you agree with that he uh in the article he also the third thing he mentions is uh cans and specifically can art now, why cans specifically different from bottles as far as what art you can put on them? I'm not sure why that would be a factor. Well, I think typically with the bottles, you're just getting that ribbon around kind of the meaty part. Yeah, but I, well, I mean... Where most of these I see are going into like a 16-ounce can where you're getting a little more... And, I mean, people have, or some of these breweries that were making a killer black IPA but didn't package at the time could now go back and actually look at doing that IPA, black IPA again, and actually package it. I fair, well, and I, and I'm, and also let's face it, I think um, the artwork on bottles and cans um, has come a long way since the the height of black ipa i mean yeah the there was always cool artwork on uh on bottles you know back when most of them were bottles um uh i do feel that the that the artwork has i mean has become more dynamic and you see a lot lot cooler shit and so there might be something to that that you just you know, not not just the format, but just the culture has evolved to the point mm-hmm. where you know the the decorating your can and making them stand out in store shelves, you know, is will help push this particular style back into prominence. Prominence or breweries willing to <laughs> <laughs> or breweries willing to spend more money on can design. So um, I 
Now, whether that's going to drive... I, the only thing I go, but why would that drive this particular style as opposed to anything else? And I'm not sure I have the answer to that. And I think that was... I, don't know, I think they might have more just been talking about driving those sales compared to when it came out in 2015. Um, but uh, now, I mean, we've been talking about it. Will we actually see a renaissance of this style? Um, and this time... I mean, let me put a question. To, I'll put that question to you. Are we going to see a renaissance? And do you think Black Eye IPA will be here to stay this time? Yes, on both, but with caveats. So I think we see a renaissance on that. We see a nice little uptick. Uh, more people start doing that. But like I said before, and the guy from Revolution actually was like tweeting out and he's like there he's like as long as it's done as a seasonal there's a market for it now i'm not sure um but wookie jack historically was not a seasonal i don't know of any pl i haven't i i'm not aware of book of firestone walker's plans to make it a seasonal but um, uh, I think because it's on their propagator series, I think it is may not necessarily be a seasonal, but it is a rotator. You, so you don't think it's ever possible for that to be a brewery's flagship? No, not on a scale like Firestone Walker. Oh, fair enough. Um, I do see a local tap room where you're like selling in your tap room primarily and maybe and some kegs outside maybe some cans though some bottle shops yes i could see that being like your flagship beer but out but that's you'd have to really knock it out of the park now i see the wisdom in that it's it's always going to be an oddball style and your it's it's attraction is going to come just by the sheer novelty of it like oh black ipa that's interesting i'll get one of those um but um i I guess the uh, uh, next question. So what is the ideal season for uh, a black IPA? In my mind, springtime. Have we finally found the like missing link in the seasonal rotation? Cause we've all, we all know summer is summers are light loggers or, you know, blonde ales or something other mm -hmm. um, fall pick your seasonal. I mean, they're, October fifth, they're pumpkin beers. They're just something amber. They, there, there's you know mm -hmm. something, something toasty and warm leading into winter, which is dark, black, and heavy. But springtime, nobody has figured out what to do. Is this finally the missing link of what the uh, what we can do to go to hail a new spring? Honestly, I think so. Uh, this or Schwartz beers would be my guess. Uh, Another spot I could see Black IPAs landing is in between that Oktoberfest and Winter Seasonal. Or the Winter Seasonal, as, you know, Bad Santa mm -hmm. is, obviously. Yep. I mean, or, I mean, like, if you just need something to hold you over, do a quick batch, that's a, get it out. That's an interesting seasonal, like, uh, what are we going to do in between fucking fall and winter i don't know black ipa for like a week <laughs> just till we we're out of pumpkin beer but we don't have our imperial stout ready uh, give him a black ipa and tell him to shut the fuck up 
I was gonna say, I mean, you gotta think about it. Most Oktoberfests are gone before October hits. Yeah, for some reason, they're in pumpkin beers, and actually, they're almost gone before October hits as well anymore. So, you know, fair point to you. All right, Tyler, uh, do you have anything else to add today? Nope, not really at all. All right, nothing. Again, I feel like you're holding back some anger. Is there? <laughs> There's. I mean, did you really purge it all, or, I mean, do you have a one more fuck you or anything? Because I, I, there's still a quiver somewhere. That... No, I'm, I'm at inner peace right now. <laughs> you really did. You're like, you're ready against neo-prohibitionists and hazies. You're gonna, you're good for the week. You're gonna be hugging people and kissing people and... Well, let's not go that far. <laughs> all right, well... This has been It's All Beer. Uh, as always, uh, if you want to see what articles we were uh, reading to come up with this uh, horse shit that we just spewed, uh, I put all that all on our Twitter account, uh, it, at It's All Beer 1. That gets harder to say as I drink, and this is this, uh, what, 8%, 9% IPA is not helping. Um, uh, I put some shit up on Instagram and, uh, and our Facebook as well. And you can find us at it's all beer. Um, we, uh, we do have an email account. We use it sometimes. If you come across a story and you would like, and you just wonder what, uh, uh, uh the Beaverson butthead version of that would be like, you can send it to us and, uh, we'll probably do it because, you know, we got nothing better to do. It is the COVID times. News is scarce. Um, and if you are so inclined uh, you know, uh, you can rate us on Facebook. I think you can rate us on iTunes, maybe Stitcher, um, Spotify. You can probably throw stars out there. Um, Declan is giving our giving a rating right now, and I think it's subpar. So, um, uh, if you if you can do better than that, we'd love to hear about it. And uh, I think that'll be quiet enough for us. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm gonna drink another black IPA. Have fun. <laughs>